Hello and welcome to Deanna's Writing Desk, where we discuss everything to do with writing, independent publishing, books, creativity, as well as general observations of life. All the world is a stage. Information about this podcast and a list of upcoming episodes, as well as all of my books, can be found on my website, deannahardy.com. So let's jump straight into episode one, which is aptly named Jumping In at the Deep End and Labour Pains. (laughs) Labour Pains is to do with the current project that I'm working on, which is a novelette. The scene that I'm writing at the moment involves a character going into labour and giving birth. And I have joked in the past with my readers on my Facebook page about what... I do being method writing and I completely made that term up. I used to act, I went to drama school and we did learn about method acting and so on. But I really just feel that what I do with my writing is often method writing. Not that I'm going out and actively researching what I need in the very physical sense, the way that some actors might do. What I mean when I say method writing is more that I very much feel feel and go through and process whatever it is that I'm writing. So at the moment, if I'm writing about a labour and the labour pains and the process of giving birth to more than one baby (laughs) is what I'm writing at the moment, I have to say that I am feeling quite tired (laughs) and I have actually momentarily stopped writing that scene. I need to go back and finish it, but I have pulled myself away because I need to take a little bit of a break. (laughs) And this is not uncommon for me. This is one of the things that I do when I write. I do get very, very involved in the scenes that I write. I very much see what I'm writing as if it's playing out in front of me, like a TV series or a film that I'm watching. And I'm very much involved in it to the point where the whole world is shut out for me. I do not know what's going on out there. It's like I'm on another planet. And I write these scenes and I get extremely involved. And sometimes, occasionally, when I come back into the real world, I do need to take a moment, a day or so, just to move myself away from what I've written, distance myself, and then come back to it a time later. And this is something that I've learned about myself and I will one day do another podcast episode about writer's burnout, which is something that I did experience, not specifically because of this method writing, as I call it, but because I went through an awful lot in life, including family deaths in a very short space of time. And it was obviously uh, incredibly sad. It was an incredibly sad time of my life and very emotional as well. So to deal with all of that as well as the emotions of the characters that I'm writing, what they're going through, was a little bit too much and it did lead to what I call burnout. But like I said, I will talk about that in another episode. 
I would like this podcast to be fairly informal. What I'm going to be doing is chatting about my own processes as a writer. I'm going to be talking about my daily week, how things have been with my writing, the observations that I've made, what I've been through, my thoughts and so on. And the idea is that this helps me structure everything that I'm doing in my head. But also it would be wonderful if it also inspires you along the way as a listener, as potentially a writer yourself, just to give you some ideas, some tips, anything that you could possibly incorporate into your own writing or your own life that you may find useful. That would be a lovely bonus to take away from this podcast, if indeed it does help you. The reason for calling this episode Jumping In At The Deep End is exactly that. I know nothing about podcasts. <laughs> I am not an auditory learner. I did not listen to the radio growing up. It was never my first mode of expression or connecting with the world. I was a bookworm completely and utterly. I would immerse myself in books. So I was very much a visual learner and I also enjoyed television and film. Like I said, I went on to go to drama school because I loved television and film so much and using that as a form of expression and connecting with the world was something I took great pleasure in. So I was very much a visual learner and the idea of anything auditory I, I just never took it in. My father listened to the radio a lot um, when he came home from work and at the weekends and I tended just to zone out it was always just there in the background I never paid much attention to what was going on in it. Um, my sister was also a big radio listener she would often put the radio on or music on uh, when we were living at home. I don't know if she still does it anymore, <laughs> um, but she certainly did it as a teenager. And I developed a way of just zoning it out so I didn't hear it because I found it too distracting for me. And even now, you know, in my own home, I live with a, a partner who likes background noise. He likes music on a lot. I would go so far as to say all the time. He may disagree with that, but from my perspective, it is all the time. Um, and he also likes the radio on, the has to be noise and I find it so distracting to my own mental processes. I was a very daydreamy child. I daydreamed an awful lot. I say daydream. When people say daydream, you always get the impression that it's a useless task, that by daydreaming, someone is wasting their time. But I've never had that experience with daydreaming. When I daydreamed as a child, I found that I would go to amazing places and sometimes I wouldn't remember where I went. But when I came back, I always came back with a sense of having travelled, of having done amazing things, even though I couldn't remember what it was. That feeling that you have when you come back from a holiday and it all seems like you know, a bit of a dream a few days later, that was the kind of feeling that I would get, albeit it wouldn't take days, but just minutes, when I would come back from a period of day 
daydreaming, I felt that I had accomplished something. And often I would, I would receive my inspiration and any information through daydreams. So having noise on in the background really disrupted my way of processing life. So it was very strange to me that the other day I was looking at podcasts. I'm on Substack now. I am a new member on Substack. So I've got my Substack profile set up and I really do like that platform, the structure of it. I don't know why I haven't created a profile earlier. It's very, very good. And I was reading about their structure for podcasting and so on. And suddenly I just thought, well, let's do it. I'll just make a podcast. And there was this other side of my brain that went, hey, really a podcast? But you don't listen to podcasts. And it was true. I have really, to be honest, never listened to a podcast. I've listened to bits of podcasts. So when I say bits, I'm about two minutes is the most I can do before I zone out. Because like I said, I'm not an auditory learner. <laughs> so this idea of me making a podcast just really caught myself by surprise <laughs> but as with all things creative the way that I tend to do it is I jump in at the deep end so here I am creating a podcast and setting myself up to do one weekly because I am a little bit mad <laughs> But this is how I work with the creative urge. This is how I work with creativity. And people have said to me in the past as well, my goodness, you've um, written a lot of books. It's like, how do you write so much in a short space of time? And I feel like saying oh, I don't write nearly as much as other authors I know. <laughs> And it's true. Some people seem to be able to write a book a month or something. Um, no, I've never been able to do that. I can do two full length novels a year. And that's pretty much it. That is my limit. Um, I've tried to do three. I can't, not if they're full length novels, um, but I can do two full length novels. That's about 70,000 words plus um, in one year. I cannot do more than that. I do enjoy writing novellas and novelettes. I think they are a skill in that beautiful, fast paced writing to get the information that you need in there. And, you know, novellas and novelettes. I think I'll do another podcast another day specifically about novellas and novelettes. I really love that short way of writing. It is very satisfactory and very pleasing when you have finished um, a 30 or 40,000 word story and it's short, snazzy it's quick it grabs people's attention and you've got everything in there it's a really beautiful way to write the way that I work with my creative urge is to throw myself in and that's what I did when I started writing and publishing I started publishing at the end of 2010 I started with paperback books and then went on to discover ebooks through Smashwords and then through Kindle and I had absolutely no intention of writing fiction that's not what I wanted to do with my writing I was actually writing more like uh, mind body spirit books I do have my own personal spiritual practice at home and I do see clients for that so that's the direction that I was going in and I wanted to write that and publish that and I set up a publishing imprint for that and my intention with a publishing imprint was to publish other people while I was publishing other people or while I was getting ready to publish other people I also started writing um, some fiction and I've always written fiction. 
the first piece of fiction I've ever wrote was uh, Little Miss Rainbow. I was eight years old and I loved the Mr. Men books. <laughs> so I wrote Little Miss Rainbow and I never stopped writing from that point. I would probably write a story a year just for my own pleasure or for school projects, whatever it might be. So... I was writing fiction to get a handle on how to publish it and unexpectedly for me because I really wasn't thinking along these lines I kind of took off with the fiction <laughs> um, and with me taking off with the fiction I actually found it becoming a full-time job and I couldn't publish other people at the same time because that is also another full-time job and I felt that I couldn't give them the full attention and the marketing everything it is that they need in order to help them publish and sell their books I couldn't invest in that and write my fiction at the same time so I made a decision I think it was in 2012 I think 2013 it was around that time to not publish other people anymore and just to go my own route with the fiction I'm saying all of this and in many ways I didn't give it much thought in terms of the overarching theme of my career as it were I wasn't thinking years ahead I was literally just thinking well you know the in the moment what it is what is it that I want to do now which direction do I want to go in now I was literally thinking only one or two months ahead at a time and I threw myself in at the deep end with regards to self-publishing or independent publishing as I like to call it I first looked into independent publishing when I was 16 years old I won't tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> we'll say mid-90s, okay? <laughs> um, and I was writing a lot of poetry at that time. Like I said, I'd always written since I was eight years old. So I had, you know, some pieces. I didn't think most of them were good. But I had enough uh, pieces of poetry that I felt I could put together into a compilation. So I was looking at self-publishing at that time. And there was no internet then. So it would have cost me about two and a half thousand pounds to publish just something like 50 or 100 books. And then I'd have to go out knocking on doors and literally peddle them. Them, you know, sell them myself which is something I absolutely did not want to do <laughs> um, so I shelved that idea and I never went the independent publishing route and then in beginning of 2010 after I gave birth to my first child and you know this is taking us back to the other part of the title of this episode which is labor pains after the birth of my first child, I, as most new parents are, I was up all night. <laughs> I was breastfeeding. I rarely got any sleep. My hormones were all over the place and I needed something to do. I needed something to do so that I would not go mad being, you know, sort of immersed in this new baby, as beautiful as that was. I needed more because, you know, as any new parent knows, you sort of lose your life to a certain extent. You might have gained a beautiful new one, of course, but you do lose your independence to a certain extent after you have a baby and I needed some of that back and I needed to do something that 
I found uh, helpful, that I found brought back my independence and writing was it. So that is why I started to look at writing poetry again, at self-publishing again. And that is when I discovered that you could print on demand. You could independently publish paperbacks and then ebooks. So I started writing again and I started posting my stories up through Smashwords in the Apple Bookstore and I started to get sales. And I even got uh, stories submitted to a publisher, an e-publisher of a romance at that time. It was a romance imprint, um, which doesn't exist anymore, but they were quite big at the time and that got accepted. I got that published and yeah, I, I just got a following. I started to get a following. I started to get good reviews. People were interested in what I was writing. And then I started to write my own series, which at the time I called the Witching Pen novellas because I was really into the idea of the shorter story and into the idea of novellas, which at that time, back in 2011, was not so popular. Nowadays, it's incredibly popular. <laughs> Thirty to 40,000 word books are very in fashion at the moment and people like them. Um, I started writing that series and it was a series that took off and you know that was back in 2011 and you know the early days of self-publishing and there were no algorithms on Facebook at that time so you could actually grow your following very well very organically and that was incredibly important I would say that's still important now um, if you are a new author looking to publish to grow your audience organically for them to be there because they want to be there is incredibly important I think in my view and that's one of the reasons I created a Substack account because within the Substack system um, the algorithms I, I believe there aren't any or if they are they work very differently to you know like they do on other social media platforms um, and you can grow your audience organically, which is wonderful. It's exactly what I'm looking for. So, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Substack at all. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. It's just that I'm on Substack and newly so, and I find it uh, really good. I'm looking forward to using it. So I threw myself in at the deep end and just like I'm doing with this podcast now, that is the way I work with creativity and I encourage any new authors to do the same. One of the things that I come across with new authors or even old authors, actually, I do see it a lot in older authors who've been writing for many, many years and still, never, still not published what they want to publish is they have a lot of doubt. It's like they're very scared of making mistakes. They don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to do it wrong. Um, I don't know what, you know, wrong, I'm putting that word in inverted commas, wrong quotation marks, because there is no such thing as wrong. Although I understand that, you know, if you write a book and publish it and put it out there and then, you know, you don't get good reviews or people think it's uh, not that great, that's going to hurt you quite a lot. I completely understand that. But there is something... Um, about needing to get over that if you are going to publish. You're kind of going to have to trust in the fact that if you like the story, it's something that you would want to read, pick up and read in a library or whatever it might be, then someone else is also going to want to read your story. And it's those people that you need to find. That is your organic audience. 
So that is my one piece of advice for anyone newly publishing. Um, that is the beginning process of getting your book out there is please don't be afraid to make mistakes. Throw yourself in at the deep end and try and enjoy the process and laugh at the mistakes that you do make. Write under a pen name if you're really worried about what's going to happen and, you know, if you can hack it, if you can... Um, if you're worried that your book isn't going to do well or you're going to get negative reviews, write under a pen name because, you know, then nobody knows it's you. You don't have to kind of stay with that name if you don't want to. The only thing that I think is a little bit difficult about writing with a pen name is if you really want to be anonymous, is that you really do have to grow your audience from scratch. If you use your own name, you can... Uh, tell your friends your family your network that you're writing a book and they will form part of your audience so bear that in mind and on that note I think I'm going to wrap up episode one by talking about something I did at the age of about three or four which sums up <laughs> the way that I work with creativity and throwing myself in at the deep end I really wanted to play the piano when I was young when I was about three years old I asked my mother for lessons and she did find me a piano teacher who I really didn't like at all <laughs> and I only stuck it out a few lessons before you know I my mum could see I was really quite miserable with this teacher and I stopped playing the piano unfortunately at that point but in my head at the age of three or four I was around that age I was convinced that I already could play the piano in my mind it was as if I don't know I had like a past life or something where I played the piano and I feel like I had brought it over there was a part of me that remembered that I could play the piano you know, it was like there was a part of me that was frustrated about having to have lessons. I remember as a three-year-old thinking, but why do I have to have lessons? I already know how to do it. <laughs> so after about two lessons, that's uh, I think all I had was two lessons at that time. I was in a room full of people. It was a party that my mum was at and I was there as well. And there was a piano in the room. And I proudly announced to everyone in that room, all the grown-ups, there weren't many children there, that I could play the piano. I can play the piano, I said to everybody, even though I couldn't <laughs> but in my head I could and of course they all asked me to go sit at the piano and play so being the uh, little independent confident child that I was who had this vision of being able to play the piano I went and sat down at that piano and put my fingers on it and I belted out the most horrendous noise <laughs> which was a beautiful song in my head and of course all the adults there completely and utterly humored me I do remember looking at my mum's face while I was playing this cacophony and she had the most incredulous expression embarrassed I think was the word she was very very embarrassed that I was doing this to all of her friends and I do remember feeling a little bit bad that she had that expression on her face I ignored it okay I ignored it and I went back to what I was doing I finished that song <laughs> and even though I knew that it wasn't good I knew my mum was wearing that expression and I knew that all the adults in the room were humoring me I got up and I took a bow as and I gave everyone a big smile and I walked out of that room <laughs> as if I owned it <laughs> 
that is very much in many ways how I also approach new creative ventures that I am passionate about, that I want to do. Nowadays, as an adult, I am more aware of whether I can do something or not. So, of course, I research it a lot. I study it a lot and I learn the ropes. <laughs> I do that, too. But the kind of gregariousness that it takes to do that at the age of three or four, uh, to have an awareness that it isn't going the way that you plan, but to see it through anyway, is sort of what you need to do as a new writer. The expression that my mum wore in her face of embarrassment, there may be other people who read your book and you might feel they have that same expression on their face. Ignore them. You have to ignore them. Stand up, take a bow and walk out of that room with a big smile on your face like you own it. <laughs> that is the advice that I'm giving to everyone today. If you are a new writer starting out or if you are doing anything creative that you feel scared about, bear that in mind. Take it on the chin. Go for it. Go for it and don't look back because that creative urge and that passion you have needs to be explored. It needs an adventurer to see it through. So be that adventurer. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be bringing this podcast out weekly. I hope you enjoy it. If you go to my website, you will see a list of the upcoming podcasts only for the next two or three weeks, but it will give you an idea of what I'm going to be talking about in the next couple of episodes. Have a lovely week and I shall see you next time.